0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hello. Hello. Okay, let us waste no time. How are you, 7th and 8th graders? Are you doing good today? Hey, if you are currently on your phone, which I can tell is a good chunk of you, let's go ahead and put that into your pocket, please. I promise you that you will be okay with, if you don't look at it for like 15 minutes, I promise you, I promise you. Well, uh, guys, tonight is the last Wednesday night of the semester. Hey, 7th and 8th grade, let's make sure that we are looking up here and listening, please. Thank you so much. Tonight is the last Wednesday night, not only is it last Wednesday night, but it's the last week of our series in God's Good Idea. So what is, we're just going to jump right in. What is that good idea? That good idea is sex, sexuality, and relationships. That'll get your attention. And we are talking about God's design for us. Okay, right, that's what we're talking about. So The first week of the series, Emily talked to both of us. Also, I feel like it's been a while, 7th and 8th grade. It's good to see you. You look good. You're looking fit. I'm glad to see you. So the first week, Emily talked to us about how God designed our sexuality, how God designed our sexual desire, and it was good, but that he designed it to be something that is used in certain parameters that God calls good, and not just however we want to use it, whenever we want to use it. And then week two, last week, Emily talked to you guys and I talked to fifth and sixth grade about how sin disrupted that good design by God and how you and I feel the effects of that sin every day. In fact, it's kind of like when a fish is in water. Like fish don't really realize that they're swimming in water, but they are. And that's sometimes how it is with us with sin. We don't even realize the effects of what is going on around us. And so now this week, the word for this week, you can see it up there, is display. We are talking about how you and I display God's good design for us in our lives. So what does it mean to display something? It means to show something, uh, to, sh- to display something is to show that thing in a way that makes it easy to be seen by other people. So I would display that I am a fan of the Arizona Cardinals as much as they stink I would display that I'm a fan of them by wearing a Cardinals jersey. Or you would display that you are a fan of a certain band or something uh, by wearing that band's t-shirt. You might, with Thanksgiving coming up, you might display that you really liked the food that you had on your plate by emptying your plate and then getting more food and then emptying that plate again. Come on, somebody, amen, right? Using that biscuit to wipe up the gravy, going back for round three. You know what I'm talking about? Real ones know what I'm talking about. Or you might display that you don't like any of the food by barely touching the food on your plate and then getting Taco Bell on your way home, right? Or you maybe will display that you have a crush on somebody by writing them a poetic, lovely note with flowers and romance. Or maybe if you're more like me when I was in junior high... If you're more like me when I was in junior high, you might display that you have a crush on somebody by going up to them and mustering up the courage to just say, uh, uh, hi. That's what I did, that's how I displayed. Obviously it worked out really well for me. So, but here's how I want us to think about display. Here's how I want us to think about it. This is what I want us to remember tonight. We look like Jesus when we surrender like Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, we look like Jesus when we surrender like Jesus. So, with that in our heads, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, which is where we've been, to Adam and Eve. So, if you remember, Adam and Eve took that fruit, they took a bite, and immediately they were separated from God. Immediately they knew that things were no longer right. See, they had disrupted that design. See, God had designed Adam and Eve's relationship with one another to be something that reflected, that displayed God's heart. So God wanted Adam and Eve's relationship to display his selflessness, his humility, his surrender, and his love, all of those things. But instead, Adam and Eve chose to just display themselves, to do what they wanted to do because it felt good, and things fell apart pretty quickly. We read about it in Genesis chapter 3. We see that because of what Adam and Eve did, there was punishment. Up on the screen, you can read, you can follow along as I read. This is talking about God. It says, To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Woo, So far, so good. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Awesome. That sounds really great. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Oh, snap. That is like, I just read that, and I'm like, oh, God, like just, God is just like, yo, this is what you wanted, you're getting it. Like he does not pull any punches. Like that's kind of sick. Like it stinks for us and it's stunk for everybody since. But man, God is just going for it. Now we don't even have enough time to go into how good and merciful God is being, even in his punishment. Because really what should have happened is just like, zap, lightning, see ya. But God is so loving and so good that he's just like, you know what? I'm going to let you stick around and actually I'm going to be with you. But let's remember what Adam and Eve wanted, what they had hoped for when they first took the bite of that fruit. Right? They wanted freedom and love and, and they wanted to be able to, and, and wisdom and knowledge. They wanted to be able to do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. They wanted life. Now, I don't know about you, but what we just read doesn't sound like any of those things to me. Like that sounds terrible. I mean, you might you could disagree, like that's fine. But I don't want what they just, I mean, that's a reality of our life, but man, if I was Adam and Eve knowing what I had just had, and now what God just told me, I'd be pretty bummed. So they got the exact opposite of what they were hoping to get, which I think makes the world and the devil some big fat liars, but that's not you and me, right? Like that's not you and me, like that's not how it works for us. Like like I'm sure we totally get satisfaction every time we th- that th- thing that we really think is going to give us satisfaction, we get that satisfaction, right? Like we think like whatever the world says will satisfy us every time we've gotten it. You're like, "Man, world, you were right. Like that's the best." No. No. The lie that we're told is that if we we just get that one position, if we can just get uh, that many followers on Instagram or something, if we can just get that new gaming system or clothing on, if we can just get that boy or that girl to like me, we will finally feel satisfied and finally feel good and things will finally be how they were always meant to be. Hallelujah, yes. So is the world correct? Is the world right? Right? When you got that thing that you're thinking of in your head right now, when you got that thing, did you feel satisfied? Did you feel finally at peace and at ease? You might have. You might have for a little bit. But it's like that little kid that gets something at Christmas, that toy that they really, really wanted, and then by next Christmas, they've played with it like four times and they want something else that they think is gonna make them, that is gonna satisfy them just like they thought that this first toy was. And then the next Christmas, they think that this new thing is gonna satisfy them like those last two toys didn't. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again, and all of a sudden we need more and more and more. Could it be, could it be that everything that the world promises is a lie? Could it be that we serve a God, if you are a follower of Jesus, that there is a God who is so opposite of the way that the world works, who is so countercultural, upside down to everything that you and I do, and that that God actually knows what he's doing? Could it be that the things that we've settled for are like settling for melted ice cream on the ground when we could have this delicious, like, giant buffet of every ice cream that we want right in front of us, but we've settled for this gross half-melted cone on the ground? Could it be that within the lines that God has given us, the boundaries that he has drawn for us, we actually find more freedom than if we had settled for what God didn't intend for us? Could it be that in surrender, in humbling ourselves, we find true and lasting victory? Could it be that in our weakest moment, in your lowest moment, you are strongest? This is what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2. When he writes this, it's on the screen. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus surrendered. Jesus chose death, and then there was life. Jesus surrendered his rights, his seat at the table, as God, so that you and I could have life. So if Jesus, the creator through death found life, then certainly we as the creation will find life through death. But what does it mean to surrender? What does it mean to surrender? If you're like me, you might think of a soldier laying down his or her weapons. You might think of a symbol like this one, a white flag that has been used for thousands and thousands of years to represent Peace to represent surrender. A symbol that the fighting is over, that this has gone on long enough. And then maybe maybe there's like a little part of you right now, maybe, maybe you feel that you're like, I don't know, doesn't sit well with me. Because we can admit that we live in a place and a culture and really in a world that, that doesn't take too kindly to surrender. Like, it's, it's go down swinging. Fight till you have, have nothing left. And it seems to be, though, that things run a little different when Jesus is in charge. And I think when you beat death and you come back to life, that makes you in charge. But why? Why should you surrender? Why should I surrender? Especially if you don't really care about Jesus. If you're just kind of coming to church just because your parents make you, or you're just coming to church because you live in this part of the country and you think that's what you're supposed to do, why should I surrender to Jesus? glad you asked. Because I think that the only other option is what Adam and Eve did, and you know how that turned out. The other option is living for yourself. Adam and Eve were in paradise. I mean, even if you weren't a Christian, I want to live in Eden. I want to live in the garden, just hanging out, all the food I want to myself, Get to name animals. What's up, lion? How are you? I just named you a lion. I don't know why, but now you're a lion and you're awesome and I get to hang out with you and you're not going to eat me. I'm not sad ever. I'm not mad ever. I'm just happy all the time. This is the best and I get to hang out with God. Look, he's literally walking right there. Why would you not want that? And instead what happened was they chose their own display and then everything was broken. Work became hard. Labor became terrible. And death entered the world. And God isn't, God isn't saying that you should surrender to him because he needs you to surrender to him to feel good about himself. God, does, Trust me, God doesn't need you to worship him to feel good about himself. God is asking you throughout all of scripture to surrender to him because he knows that it's the best thing for you. He knows that you're settling for something down here when you could have this with him. Because the path of the world is death and bondage and this fake lie of freedom garbage that the devil promises when the path of God is truth and life and victory. Maybe God actually knows what he's talking about. So how do you do this? You wave the white flag and you Surrender. You surrender to Jesus. You surrender to other people. You put other people before yourself, and you recognize that in giving up of yourself, there is true freedom. Everything that Jesus does is so opposite to the things that we do, but Jesus has it right. So what does it look like for you? It means that you and I, that we surrender our addictions, we surrender our struggles, knowing we cannot beat them on our own, and then we begin to look more and more like Jesus. Or maybe for you, you confess your sins. You confess that thing that if anyone knew about it, they would not want to be your friend anymore. They would think you're disgusting. But you confess it, you you accept the the shame, or you reject the shame of the devil, and you accept the grace of Jesus, and then you begin to look more and more like him. Maybe for you, it's memorizing Ephesians 5.21. You're going to have a chance to do that in your group time, which says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But then not only do you memorize it, you start to live it. And then when you live it, you begin to look more and more like Jesus, because Jesus submitted to death for you and I. Maybe for you, it's you honor your body. You stop doing anything you can with your body, just so more people will like you, more people will give you attention. And you recognize that you were bought at a price with the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that Jesus is enough. And then you begin to look more and more like him. You trust the commands of God that sex is between one man and one woman in the confines of marriage. And that God knows what he's talking about and that it's good. And then you begin to look more and more like Jesus. Here's one that you might not like. You surrender having a boyfriend or a girlfriend if you're putting that relationship higher than your relationship with Jesus. And you trust that Jesus alone will satisfy because you are doing whatever you can to try and make this person like you more and more and more. But if it were to fall away, you would feel worthless. And so maybe that's what you surrender. Or what about this one? You surrender having free, unlimited access to your technology because you know that you can't handle it without doing things that you shouldn't be doing or looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at. And then you trust that Jesus knows what he's talking about and you begin to look more and more like him as you put him first in your life. And we can laugh and we can pretend that we're above this, but you're not. The devil is so good at what he does. And if you for a second think that he's not going to go at you exactly where he knows how to get you, then you are wrong and he will get you. But not if you surrender to Jesus and give up whatever it is you think you're trying to do. If you can wave this flag and recognize that you aren't as strong as you think you are, then you might have a chance. And I'm putting some skin in the game here. I've, I'm doing some of this stuff. I've got app time limits and blocks on my phone just because I know that that's healthy. And I'm, I'm doing no social media for November and December just because I know it's good to step back from that kind of thing and this isn't to my own horn it's recognizing that I can't do this on my own and I need help and accountability from other people if I can do it you can do it and man guys this surrender might feel like death it might feel like you don't even need to do it and then all of a sudden Things are way out of hand, and you didn't even know where all of this stuff that you're now having to deal with came from. But you can rest assured that there is freedom when you surrender. There is freedom when you can humble yourself. That true freedom comes when we bow to the King Jesus who bought our freedom with his blood. And so my prayer is that you would display Jesus that over the next two months of of us not meeting, that not only in your sexuality, but in everything about you, you would display Jesus. That in every moment of every day, of every decision that you make, you would be surrendering yourself to the power of Jesus and surrendering yourself to other people as you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and recognize that when we can surrender, we find freedom. And that we look like Jesus when we surrender like Jesus. Let's pray and then you can go to group. Father God, thank you for being who you are. Help us to be who you have called us to be. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.